Hello and welcome to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team here at TechAdvisor. I am your host, Dominic Preston, returned from a couple of long weeks out in the US covering chipset launches from MediaTek and Qualcomm, which kept me from being here to talk about chipset launches from MediaTek and Qualcomm. Uh, I have been assured that Henry and Lewis managed to fill in the gaps ably in my absence. How are you guys doing? Good, thanks. Yeah, we uh, referred to all your articles and basically read them out, <laughs> read them out on air. Yeah. And, but also, I'd like to say that uh, we basically said we weren't doing a episode this week. So I misled our uh, beloved audience. So I'm glad that we're back. Just think of it oh, as well, a nice surprise for them. You know? I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> our little Black Friday gift to you all. Uh, and with that said, I know that we uh, chatted about Black Friday stuff last week. So I'm happy to confirm that this week, the podcast is a Black Friday safe space. We will not be discussing deals, discounts, or sales as far as we can, because there's actually been quite a lot of news this week, considering it's Black Friday week. Yeah. Um, normally, that is a quiet time of the year, because everyone knows that all of the tech journalists are busy dealing with deals and can't actually write about phones. <laughs> but no one told any of the Chinese OEMs who decided to just <laughs> plow on ahead and throw some hardware out into the world anyway. So we will be talking about the Vivo X90 series, first of all, which is a big deal, not least because it includes the debut of both the MediaTek Dimensity 9200 and Qualcomm Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. So Vivo beat everyone else to the punch on both of the next year's flagship chips. We're also going to talk Honor, who unveiled the Magic VS, their second gen foldable phone, along with the Honor 80. We'll be focusing on the VS, but I'm sure we'll touch on the 80 series a little bit. And then finally, Oppo followed up today with the Reno 9 series, their next-gen set of mid-rangers. Before all that, though, there are some other little bits and pieces of news for me to rattle through, as always. Uh, first up, we now know that we're going to see more phones from Vivo incredibly soon. The <laughs> iQ 11 series is confirmed to launch on the 2nd of December. That will be in China and Malaysia at least. There may be more countries on that first day, we're not sure, and probably more to follow down the line. Uh, as always, this will be one of their sort of slightly gaming-y focused phones with a white back and those red and blue BMW stripe designs. Love it. I have no idea how long that licensing deal goes for, but they are really milking it for all it's worth. <laughs> uh, little details we do know is that this will borrow a little bit from stuff we've seen in the X90 series, which obviously we'll talk about later today. Uh, but we know the 8 Gen 2 chip is going to appear in at least one of the phones, as will Vivo's V2 ISP, their image processor which also makes its debut in the X90 series. Then Realme, Realme unveiled some, unveiled some of the Realme 10 phones in China recently. We now also know there's a global launch coming. That is on December 8th for India and the rest of the world. So there's a separate Indian launch and then another global launch. That probably means Europe it will be the focus of the global event. Uh, there's probably going to be the Pro and the Pro Plus because those are the Pro models that were unveiled in China. Uh, these are decidedly budgety lower mid-range models. I mean, it's a Snapdragon 695 in the Pro and a Dimensity 1080 in the Pro Plus, so not particularly high-end chips. Uh, you're getting 108 megapixel main cameras, 5,000 milliamp hour battery, and fairly nippy fast charging. So they should be all right for what they offer, but we'll see uh, more when we get the proper unveiling for global markets and find out the kind of pricing Realme is going for this one. 
Now into slightly more speculative phone news. Uh, we know a little bit more about the first Motorola phone that's going to use the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. Uh, Motorola is already talking up the Moto X40, and one of their execs posted an, Ant- posted an Antutu score on Weibo highlighting the 8 Gen 2 chip. So we know the X40 will have an 8 Gen 2 and has done very well on the Antutu benchmark. Um, the X40 will eventually become an Edge 40. I think everyone reckons the X40 will actually be the Edge 40 Pro because obviously the names get a bit confusing in translation, but we'll find out down the line. Obviously, we're not for sure. But new Motorola flagships on the way, HN2, which is nice because it means they are sticking with high-end phones where we've seen them do really well over the last year or so, and I'm glad to see that wasn't just a flash in the pan. Uh, What else? Oppo, more leaks, uh, more sort of little details sneaking out about their next foldables. The latest reckoning is that we are going to see both the Find N2 and their flip phone may be called the Find N2 Flip, but we're not sure. Uh, both of those are apparently going to arrive together in December, probably sometime in mid-December at the Oppo Inno Day or Innovation Day, which they usually use just to kind of talk up, you know, really niche bits of tech they're working on. Specific features or sensors or kind of internal hardware that's not always that exciting. Uh, it sounds like they might be pivoting a little bit and using it to actually launch the foldables this time around. Uh, but that's all very unconfirmed, so we'll see. And then finally, given I've not been able to talk about chips for the last two weeks, <laughs> I will sneak in a little bit of chip news for now, um, which we may talk about later. In fact, Qualcomm announced the Snapdragon 782G which is a new mid-range chip that is in the base on an 80 model. So we're going to talk about it briefly then. I just want to highlight this because it's a little bit weird because this is kind of a successor to the 778G+, which was a really popular Qualcomm chip. What's odd here is the name. It's the 782G. That doesn't match Qualcomm's new naming structure that they introduced <laughs> with the 8 Gen 1. Mm. We already have a 7 Gen 1. Um, this is less powerful than the 7 Gen 1, so you can see why this isn't the 7 Plus Gen 1 or anything like that. It's not as powerful as that. But it doesn't fit into the current Gen naming structure. It's not really obvious why they've gone this way or how they're going to handle it. And it does suggest that when... This is the big question mark, right, when they switch pivot, with switch, switch branding, was it works for the flagship where you only do two chips a year, mm-hmm. but how are you going to handle it in the 7 Series and the 6 Series where you put out five or six a year in each one? And the answer seems to be a kind of confused shrug where they're sticking with the new branding for some chips and doing this messy mix with the old branding for other chips. And how on earth is anyone make, meant to make sense of, of what fits in where it seems like a very backwards decision. I, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's turn to our first proper topic of the day, the Vivo X90 series, which has launched in China. Uh, had a big flashy event this week. There are three phones, the X90, the X90 Pro, and in a welcome turn, the X90 Pro Plus. We never got an 80 Pro Plus, so I'm glad to see the the Plus model has made it into this lineup. Uh, This is a Chinese launch. We don't really know anything yet about global launches. Vivo's a bit hit and miss about which of these phones get international launches and which markets. I mean, the US is a write-off, but we'll probably see one of these three phones come to Europe, maybe yeah. the Pro, probably not the Pro Plus. We'll probably see, you know, 
two or three of them come to India and the rest of Asia, but it's always a bit of a guess. And it'll probably be a few months before we find out more. But for now, we've got these in China. Um, there are basically two real talking points from my perspective about this set of phones. Uh, one, as I mentioned, is the fact that this is the debut of both flagship chipsets, the, the MediaTek and the Qualcomm. And the second is the camera advancements, because we know camera is where Vivo has really excelled, at least in the flagship space, for the past year or so. And they've made another few steps forward there. Um, let's start with the chips, I guess. So the Dimensity 9200, the MediaTek chip, features in both the X90 and the X90 Pro. Meanwhile, the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 is what appears in the Pro Plus. So there's sort of good and bad news for MediaTek here, right? They're in the two kind of <laughs> more mainstream models, the ones that maybe would, you might expect to sell more, and they're in two out of the three phones, which is good going. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the bad news is it's clear that the pattern from last year is still there, which is that if you're separate, putting both into a lineup, the top model has has Qualcomm Silicon <laughs> inside. Yeah. And there's clearly still a little bit of a sense from Vivo that they think the Snapdragon is maybe better, whether that's actually better on a hardware basis or just better from a branding perspective. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, we, we can but guess, can't we? If, if they've got access to both chips, maybe it's a cost thing. Um, I don't, maybe they have some kind of, uh, you know, opinion internally about the performance and what that means by putting it on on the big one but you do tend to think like when we are getting into the kind of more shall we say enthusiast end of the smartphone uh spectrum with stuff like the <laughs> x90 pro plus uh great as it hopefully will be that snapdragon branding probably does carry some weight there doesn't it and I'm, i I'm think it absolutely sure does oh, it, that that's that's definitely the space from talking to execs from both companies over the past couple of weeks they seem to both agree that that's uh, kind of where they have the upper hand I mean, Qualcomm will also tell you they win on specs, but, you know, MediaTek will say we win on specs, but they kind of acknowledge uh, Qualcomm has a bit of an edge there in, <laughs> in, in perception out in the market. Sorry, Lewis, I cut you off. I'll say, I think I remember uh, from one of your write-ups, actually, Dom, that the Qualcomm chipset has a specific camera, like improvements for the AI and stuff like that. So maybe that's another reason they're going with that on their top-end camera-focused phone. That's what I was thinking as well. I think, I mean, obviously they both tout their camera advancements and i think on a pure specs level in terms of support for certain resolutions and, and things like that that they're fairly similar but i think probably qualcomm does still have the edge here in, in image processing it has this year introduced ai elements directly into the image processor uh, which it says are kind of a big big step forward for the way it will handle that kind of thing um and if nothing else, Vivo has more experience there using the Qualcomm chip in its top-end models to handle yeah. the image processing, and obviously with really great results and, and a lot of acclaim so far. So that was one of the thoughts in the back of my head too, that maybe they just thought the Snapdragon gives a little bit of an edge on the camera side, and when that's for your top, top model, it's really where the fine margins matter, whether you want to get, whether people are going to go out there and say, this is the best camera phone yeah. around, you will take every little you know, every little fragment you can get that might help <laughs> you win that and, and stick it to Apple and Samsung, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So we might as well talk about that camera setup. Um, the Pro Plus is definitely the most interesting phone here from a camera perspective because it is the one that is the sort of full-featured setup, inevitably. Um, you get a quad rear camera, which is nothing particularly new for this kind of top-of-the-line Vivo phone. Um, you're getting... 
two zooms, a, a 2.5 times and a 3.5 times, and then a uh, an ultra wide lens as well. Those are all pretty high resolution, so 48 megapixel ultra wide, 50 and 64 in the telephotos. Really what's exciting though is the main camera where Vivo has made the jump to the IMX989, which is the one inch camera sensor that we saw in the um, in the Xiaomi 12S Ultra. And as I say this, and I recognize another reason that this may be why we've seen the Snapdragon in this phone specifically in the lineup, because Qualcomm actually talked up the fact that they worked with Sony in collaboration on designing the IMX989 and to make sure it works best on Snapdragon, in their words. Um, so that right. may, maybe there are extra optimizations specifically for that image sensor, that camera sensor, that made it make sense to use a Snapdragon chip. I don't even know if there are actual exclusivity arrangements that mean you have to use Snapdragon <laughs> if you use that camera sensor. That is, I don't know if that is the case, but you could imagine it might be. Um, but yeah, this this sensor is is a big step forward for all of the sort of rise in megapixel counts we've seen over the past couple of years and the jump to sort of 200 megapixel cameras breaking out. And I think we're going to see more of that next year. Really, it's bigger image sensors that have made the biggest difference in oh, yeah. camera quality in phones for the last last few years. Yep. And yeah, this jump to one inch was was a big one. The the Xiaomi 12s 12s Ultra camera was pretty phenomenal with that sensor in and i am very interested to see what vivo can pull out of it yeah some of the samples that have been floating around online both from vivo and from people who've claimed to have the yeah the, the unit early are really impressive i'm always a little bit skeptical um <laughs> not not of vivo specifically but, but given some other why um <laughs> companies like <laughs> having been proven to say look at the great great pictures this camera can take and then you just look at the metadata and it's a it's a dslr yeah. not to say that they're doing <laughs> that but you really have to get the phone in your hand and like take a picture that you know wasn't by uh you know a, a professional photographer to yeah. see what it's actually doing and, it, and exactly the thing in front of you actually looks like what it looked like as well it's not just a question of did they shoot it with that camera it's who was the photographer taking the photo how much <laughs> yeah. time did they have to frame it all up <laughs> perfectly and, and optimize it did they post process it did they go yeah. in and edit that shot there is that straight out of the camera app things like that you just yeah. don't know but i played around with the v80 pro uh x80 pro sorry um it's amazing like some of the stuff it can do um just just the advancement in the past few years as well of, of, of sensors being that big and being able to deal with like particularly like if you're in a dark room and you're taking a picture um of like the sort of dying light outside other phones would either just white out the <laughs> the window of <laughs> if you can see what i mean or or they will just completely get the the colors and the light wrong but it just handles it so well. So if they've got the one inch sensor on this and then with some more smarts behind it in their in their post-processing, which is a little bit over the top sometimes, uh, it could be really yeah. impressive, yeah. Yeah, if, if there's a downside to the Vivo is that they still are in that phase of um, very high contrast and super, super punchy colors and everything's yep. sort of amped up to the nth degree that <laughs> leaves a touch of artificiality to your photo sometimes. Even if you turn AI off, it still does that. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, that said, I, I when going on this trip and, and knowing I was going to be traveling for a couple of weeks and I'd want to take really good photos with me and I was looking around at which phone do I want to put my SIM card in to take on this two-week trip, it was the X80 Pro that I grabbed. Nice. That was of all the phones I had around. I thought if I'm if I'm leaning on this for the camera, that is the one I want to have with me. That's the one I trust the most to handle a range of lighting conditions, to have that sort of 
with four different lenses, it gives me a whole load of different options in terms of focal length and things like that. Um, so, I, you know, I, and I love it on the X80 Pro. So I'm very excited for the X90 Pro Plus purely from that perspective. Um, and, you know, the, their stabilization has always been one of the really strong suits, the way they handle this, that paired with that bigger sensor, the way they handle low light. I'm, you know, as you said, Henry, they, they particularly handle the, the dynamic range in low yeah. light scenarios where they just don't overexpose light sources. And that still to me is the thing that the X80 Pro does better than anything else on the market, potentially up until these. I think there are other elements where you'd pick another camera over that, but it's dynamic range and correctly exposing light sources within dark environments yeah, for that sure. they have seem to have nailed better than anyone else. And if they can take that one step further here, yeah, I'm all in. That sounds amazing. Yeah, Lewis, you reviewed the two uh, Pro iPhones this year, so I can't speak to that. But the only <laughs> other phone that I've reviewed this year that comes close and maybe does actually match it, in my opinion, that what you were talking about there, Dom, the low light exposure, it's the Pixel 7 Pro. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really good at that as well. And in, I, I prefer how it that phone processes images overall, not yeah. quite so um, saturated. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah, I just yeah, like the I think way that you three... can choose on the iPhone. Yeah. Like you can kind of you can have that slightly over exaggerated look where it just sucks at everything, but you can also adjust the light levels uh, before you take the picture, and then it will kind of give you something that's much more true to life as well. So I like the fact that you can do the two. Mm-hmm. Well, we were talking last week on the podcast, and maybe one of you will know <laughs> uh, the second part of this thing I'm about to say that I can't remember. But we were talking <laughs> about one of the chips that has the ability to uh, do live processing yeah, in that's the, the viewfinder. So do you think we'll see that here? That would be that would be cool. Because obviously, again, on the Viva, I'll take a picture and then it has a little think and then it looks great. But it would be cool to see that first. Are we going to see that on this? Um, I don't know, but I want, I'm, I'm not clear how much that requires OEM uptake to, to mm. build into the camera app you're using and things like that. Yeah. But yes, that is exactly part of the promise that Qualcomm have, that that's why they have this direct line now from the camera sensor to some AI processing is that idea that, all of that processing that's handled by machine learning can happen in real time so that in the viewfinder of the app, you get a much more what you see is what you get output. And what you'll see in the viewfinder should be a closer match to the final photo. Um, But yes, I don't know for sure if that's something that Vivo or the other OEMs have to really work on to build into their camera apps, or if it's a real just you plug in the chip and um, it, it just starts doing that, and that's great. Would be so nice I'm if not that sure. was the way it happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, one of the things you also yep. said, Tom, just quickly about the other camera, is that you had a whole video actually about how you were uh, you were annoyed that they moved the gimbal uh, on from this X70 to the X80 Pro onto the portrait lens instead of the ultra wide. That mm-hmm. appears to be the same here. Are yep. you just as annoyed still, or, or have you come around to it? Because <laughs> I mean, gimbal stabilization is it's good. It's still quite niche. Um, what what do you reckon about that? I, I I mean, even in that video, I think I flagged it as a very minor yeah. quibble to have. And I think I would still hold it, but still <laughs> equally recognize how incredibly minor a quibble it is. <laughs> and it really is a matter of preference. It's do you, especially in low light scenarios or shooting video, are you more likely to use an ultra wide or a two time zoom? For me, the way I shoot, the way I use my phone, I'm probably more likely to use the ultra wide for video or for sort of low light, taking a big cityscape at night, that kind of thing. I recognize that actually it may well be that more people would jump for the two time zoom, which Vivo pictures as they describe as a portrait lens. So, you know, is that idea that they recognize that as the best focal length actually to, to just take a shot of another person. I think that's partly because their, their main camera tends to actually have quite a wide sort of pullback focal length. And so the, their two time zoom is a little, 
less of a zoom than maybe you'd be used to from other zooms, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it is a more natural focal length for taking shots of other people. So if you think you're going to be out at night wanting to take photos of your friends, or that you're going to be out at night and wanting to film video like that, um, or, or anywhere filming video with that kind of lens, then this is a good move. Mm. If you're like me and you take photos of cities and landscapes more than do of people, then you know it, it's a bad move. But I think. Uh, yeah, it's really pulling hairs at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't find myself using the ultra wide as much increasingly at the moment. Not to say that I therefore then use the mm-hmm. zoom lens a lot of the time, but I think I just I just stick with the main lenses because particularly when you dip anywhere below, you know, the the flagship, as we like to call it, uh, line, then those other cameras are so trash anyway. Oh, yeah. um, well, there yeah, are so many like it. decent mid range phones with really really good main cameras. So I think just out of habit now, I just don't tend you to go for the ultra wide because. It's not matching what the main camera can do. I'm not going to like the yeah. result. Yeah. I think that's why I enjoy the fact that it's one of the few, among the few manufacturers where I feel like at the high end, I can switch the ultra wide and not really have a too noticeable drop off in quality between yeah. the two. Um, but, you know, it's, it's always a question of uh, where your preferences lie. Um, some other bits to talk about. There is one little interesting thing to note in these phones, which is purely that for reasons that I don't understand. I don't know whether they relate to the chipsets or some other elements of the design, but actually the regular X90 and the Pro model have very slightly bigger batteries and faster charging than Mm. the Pro Plus. There is this one element in which if you go for the Pro Plus, you're getting a downgrade. You're getting a... a, The battery drop-off is only 100 to 170 milliamp hours it varies depending on the one you get so relatively small battery drop is going from 4800 and something to 4700 um but the, the charging speed is quite a quite a change it's 120 watts on the two cheaper models and 80 watts on the top model which is still very fast charging and i think plenty fast enough for most people oh yeah but mm. i'm sure some people will rank a little bit rankled maybe that if they want to go for the top model and get the best camera and get the qualcomm chip they are going to get slightly shorter battery life. Well, actually, yeah. battery life, I don't know, because it will depend on optimization, yeah. which how it works out. But certainly slower charging. We've seen it with other phones um, this year as well, like the, the very high end or the most expensive phone in the range. I'm thinking of OnePlus in this particular instance, the 10 Pro. Uh, it's got 80 watt charging. And then the six, uh, sorry, the 10T, which is cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has it has faster charging. So I, don't, I just don't know whether the manufacturer here is thinking, oh, okay, well, uh, price-wise... Maybe it costs more yeah. for that component. We can't, um, but also maybe when you <laughs> stuff four cameras and a gimbal in there, maybe you just don't have room for the biggest possible size. Like maybe it's just a, a space game. Yeah. It, yeah, it's probably some combination of space and cost. I mean, my first thought was, oh, does it have much faster wireless charging or something? But that's not the it's, case. It's the same, isn't it? It's the yeah. same 50 watts for the Pro and the Pro Plus, and then the regular one doesn't have it. Um, but yeah, I, I suspect it's a cost balancing thing primarily, or as you say, maybe some size element as well of just once you're putting in these extra expensive lenses and sensors you, you've got to save money somewhere to not have the pro plus be disproportionately more expensive than the other models but little thing to flag and for people to be aware of um and i think the last interesting ish point to to touch on on these phones is these are i believe the first phones since the pixel 7s to launch with android 13 out of the box you're testing me now. You're probably right. <laughs> yeah. Many phones that we've seen released uh, recently, yeah, they've only got 12 and then they yep. just promised the update. So that's that's good to see. Yeah. And it's this is this is Origin OS instead of FunTouch because they're China, right? Yes. If you buy their phones in China, you get Origin OS. They're now on Origin OS 3. Um, 
but I believe it would still be FunTouch OS if you bought in the West, which I believe they've just updated to FunTouch 13 to match Android 13, though yeah. I might be wrong on the numbers there. Um, yeah, I've, I've never used Origin in my life because they only put it on the Chinese models. And, <laughs> and even when I sort of review early samples, they still wait till they have a global sort of Hong Kong unit or something to send out, which always has fun touch. Yeah. Uh, I know Origin OS looks a bit different and has a big focus on widgets, um, but there's never been any word from them on if or when Origin OS would be what rolls out globally. And, and now that they're three years in and haven't done it yet, I have a feeling they're not doing that anytime soon. No, no I'd agree. But either way, yeah, nice to see such fast support for Android 13 from Vivo. And, uh, you know, we'll, I'm sure very soon we'll see other models rolling up with Android 13. So We've this got probably some point. won't be... Android 14 is not too far away. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so it won't be long before they're not the only people in there, but it is refreshing to see, uh, to see them come out so quickly with 13 support. And to be fair, I think they were the same last year with 12. I think they might have been the first brand to put an Android 12 phone on the market that wasn't Google. Nice. Um, yeah. Anything else you guys want to say on the X90s before we move on? It's red leather. It's quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a red phone. The red phones had a big. Uh, they had a big. They had a big moment a few years yep. ago, and they've completely disappeared again, apart from that lovely iPhone uh, 14. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, otherwise, not many red phones around. Quite like it. Wonder how much it will cost if it comes to the UK. Because if you look at the price conversion, uh, I won't. I won't read them all out. But like for instance, the the, the uh, base Vivo X90 is very cheap um, when you do the conversion but as we know if it does come to the west it's gonna be much more than that but it's 430 pounds and then you look at the, the pro plus and the equivalent is um 760 which mm. would be lovely uh but considering that the x80 optimistic. pro uh retails in the uk for 1200 quid i don't think that's going to happen no. it would probably be more if it comes here uh but yeah a nice looking phone but it'll be really expensive yeah i i think expensive is almost guaranteed if i have a, a fault to vivo's attempts to move into the global market which have been kind of faltering in all honesty despite the excellent hardware it's that they have consistently priced themselves very expensively when they've been going into the high end and every single one has come out and i've had to say "Ah, this is great but the western price is a little too much and uh, especially when you're a completely unknown brand you can't really bank that people are going to drop 1200 on one of your phones and maybe you need to swallow up you know the the cost a bit of of underselling them and, and having lower profits for a couple of years until your name gets out there a little bit more. Um, also, I, I should say, while you mentioned the design in the red leather, I'm a little sad that we're still on these bloody circular camera modules, though I know that's a very personal grievance of <laughs> I, mine I quite and no like one else them. cares. I quite like it. I quite <laughs> liked how the X80 looks. It's um, off-centre, which is upsetting. It's just slightly yeah, to the left off-center. as well. Uh, I, don't really, yeah. I don't not like that, but it's not completely left oriented. It's just kind of just slightly away from the center. And I'm just, yeah, that's upsetting me. <laughs> it is, to be fair, an improvement on the X80 Pro, even if you just look at, say, the Pro Plus model, because they've gotten rid of the big rectangle that's around the circle <laughs> and they've moved the periscope into the circle. So it's actually together with the other lenses. Whereas on the X80 Pro, you've got this weird halfway house where it's all in a big rectangle and then the periscope oh, yeah. sits below the other lenses but not in the I circle. like the rectangle though because it means it doesn't rock on a table that is also true so Vivo has managed to please exactly none of us Nerd well things. done yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I'm really excited about the Vivo X90 series as you can you tell um, <laughs> I love these phones I've always been a big fan of their flagship so I'm really looking forward to actually getting to try one of these out but uh, it will probably be a few months before we get to talk about it again because 
uh, we'll have to at least wait for some sort of global rest of Asia launch before we get a unit sent over to us. Um, okay, let's turn to another phone that has had a European launch. Sorry, another phone that hasn't had a European launch, that has had a Chinese launch, Correct. but where we know we will get a European launch this time, uh, though we don't know any more than that about it, just that it is coming. Uh, but the Honor Magic VS, that is big V, little s, but you're not allowed to pronounce it versus, it is <laughs> yeah. the VS. Uh, this is their second gen foldable after the Magic V. Um, Henry, you were there at the, they had a little event in London and you've actually had a chance to play around with the phone. Is that right? I have. I have it right here for our um, video viewers and I'll, I'll try and navigate Zoom's blur, but I have one. It's in my hands and I, I've had to agree to like a very uh, strict NDA. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, right, let me start at the top. Yes, uh, I'll, I'll come to that in a second when I think, talk about my thoughts. But yeah, we have a foldable from honor that's coming to and i quote global markets now i i actually i'm not even saying this because i don't know i actually don't know if it's coming to the uk but they had the event in london they flew people out from europe for it i'm hoping and thinking that it's likely that it will be in most european markets including the uk uh, but for the moment uh 23rd of november it launched in china uh and the price of it there is very competitive, which is kind of where I wanted to start because it costs uh, nine. Let me get this right: uh, seven thousand five hundred Chinese won, uh, which is just over a thousand pounds. I know we've just talked about uh, prices uh, <laughs> going up when they come here, but if Honor can make this a, a more affordable—not it's not affordable—a more affordable uh, foldable. A mouthful uh, compared to the Galaxy Z Fold series, then we might have like a solid competitor here. Uh, Honor is like basically trying to come out of its shell now uh, that it is um, not a subsidiary of Huawei anymore. So it can run Google Play services. Dom, you reviewed the Magic 4 Pro, which was its first big flagship proper phone. And that mm -hmm. was actually quite expensive in this country. It was about yeah. a grand, wasn't it? So that's why I'm a little bit skeptical about how much this is going to cost. <laughs> um, but the Magic V came out only in January, actually, uh, in China. So they've turned around the follow-up in less than a year. Um, and I'm only allowed to talk about the hardware. So the, the unit that I have here, which is very nice, it's the cyan color, which you can't actually see. It's like a sparkly matte finish. Hmm. Uh, it's China software on here, but it's not even final. Actually, no, it has Google Play on here. So that's a lie. But it's not the final software. So I just actually can't discuss uh, how it performs or what it's like. I'm just here to talk about the hardware. Uh, and then I had to get this back, <laughs> basically. <laughs> but it was cool to, that they actually they actually gave us one to play around with. Um, it's impressive hardware. My first observations, uh, obviously, I'm just going to have to compare to the, the Z Fold 4. Mm -hmm. I like that it closes completely flat. You cannot see that. There you go. There we go. <laughs> there you go. That's better. Um, so you don't have the wedge shape. Uh, and the thing that the uh, spokespeople were really impressing upon us yesterday was they've really tried to make sure that the outer display feels like a normal phone, which I think is one of the downsides to many uh, phones, in including the, the Fold and, and maybe even uh, the Find N, and then definitely something like the, the Huawei Mate XS2 DOM that has the uh, back-to-front, inside-out <laughs> way yes, of doing foldables. <laughs> uh, so this has a 6.45-inch exterior, and it's in 20 by 9, so it's a lot more like a regular phone and i would yeah. still say that you hold this thing and i'm going to stop holding it up to the camera because it's not coping <laughs> uh if you hold it in your hand it still feels like a chunky guy like they, they they were saying oh it just feels like a regular phone and they were kind of bemoaning the fact that 
their research shows that people who buy foldables, he literally just said, are <laughs> might owe them just to show off. Um, and they have another phone, like a regular slab phone in their pocket, basically. And so what they're trying to do here, so Honor says, uh, is to have a phone that you won't want to use a secondary phone. Uh, you might still want to show off, though. Um, but it has a decent enough exterior display. Uh, so I can't talk about the software. I have thoughts, but I can't say. Um, <laughs> but the design itself, one of the things that they've done, right, compared to the original V, is they say <laughs> the original V had 92 parts to the hinge, uh, right. and the VS has four, uh, and it doesn't have any gears. So what that means is that when you open and close the thing, unlike the uh, Z Fold 4, for example, where it kind of feels quite sturdy and crunchy would be my description of it, this is less so. It's it's kind of a bit <laughs> It's not floppy, but it's like <laughs> yeah. oh, they, they said I can only talk about the hardware, so I'm going to go in. Um, it's it's not the most rigid, so I, I quite like a phone that would click into place like that. Yeah, uh, when you open it fully, as I have now, this is slightly more soft. Uh, and so again, I'm picking hairs here. It's it's a nice action. It doesn't really stay open or do anything. But when you get to that point. I feel like it should click into place a little bit more. It feels a little bit flimsy, if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. um, but that's only that's only splitting hairs. But I am told this is final hardware, so that is what it's going to feel like. Um, uh, I mean, apart apart from that, that's all I'm really allowed to talk about <laughs> with the thing. It's got uh, it will be running Android 12, so yes, not Android 13 when it is released, uh, and it runs the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1. So they've just uh, missed out on 8 Gen 2 there because obviously this has been in development for a little while, and then yep. you have a bunch of different uh, RAM and storage configurations. An IMX 800 tensor on the back, which is 54 megapixels. Again, I've taken photos, but I can't talk about it. <laughs> um, and then really, you're kind of just looking at a maybe just below top tier flagship kind of specs uh, in terms of everything else on here. Um, but it folds and it's coming to Europe. Eventually. What do you think eventually? Yes. Uh, <laughs> so uh, confirmed to me by an honest spokesperson, which I can say is Q1 next year. Okay. It'll be so not too long to wait. Global That's... markets. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So not too long to wait. Uh, and to the extent that I've been told and can share that uh, we will be getting a European review sample at some point in the new mm -hmm. year. So we will have a full review of this. I mean, what is your opinion? What does a manufacturer have to do to compete in this particular form factor, at least with 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 a uh, Samsung, because we we've seen ones from Xiaomi, um, but you know that's uh, we haven't actually had hands on that. I don't think the Mi no Mix no two no, no we haven't had a chance to try uh, the latest Xiaomi one. Um, yeah, I mean Honor's. Uh, it's sort of a weird mix of answers here because if you're just talking about comparing competing with Samsung, mm. um. In one sense, from a hardware level, it's quite a low bar because I think, in a way, if you look at the global range of foldables available compared to what Xiaomi and, and Oppo are doing, Samsung doesn't look too impressive anymore. I think the three really stood head and shoulders above a lot of the competition. Yeah. And then it felt like everyone quickly caught up and the four didn't make enough big advancements on the three. And now it feels like it's lagging behind the market a little, maybe especially on things like the hinge as you, as you flag that you get this wedge shape when you yeah. close one of the Samsung models. Um, so from things like that, I think the design and the hardware, I think a lot of people would probably be able to quite easily put, from what I've heard of the Magic VS, put that side by side with the Galaxy Z Fold 4 and the, the Honor will probably come out on top. Um, 
it doesn't even have to work that hard on cameras because while Samsung's very good at cameras, it's hardly put its best hardware inside its foldables. Mm. So again, there's kind of an easy win there. And then on chipset, the exact same chip Samsung uses. Um, the headache they're going to have, though, is things like branding and, and questions around durability because, A, there's a trust element, right? If you're buying a really expensive phone and a foldable phone, you want to trust the company you're buying from. And for better or worse, the average buyer doesn't know Honor anywhere near as well as they know Samsung to have the trust mm. thing. Yeah. Um, and especially once you throw in the waterproofing side of that extra durability Samsung is claiming that still no one else can. And that adds that little bit more trust of, if I buy this phone, it will keep working and it will last. Um, the other challenge, I guess, is, is, is just also branding, but it's, it's about, you go back to what you said, the honest spokesperson said, that a lot of people currently buying a foldable are on some level buying it to show off. Whether they're using it as a second phone or it's their main phone, kind of what they're doing is buying a phone that they want to be able to show off. People in the West are more inclined to show off a Samsung phone than they are an Honor phone. And that isn't Honor's fault, at least right now. But you know, if you're dropping over a grand on a phone, you want to be able to say, look at this, it's super cool. You know, when when it's this kind of brand that is, for better or worse, a bit of a no-name brand to the average consumer, it doesn't carry the same cachet as when you've got the latest exciting Samsung thing. Yeah, it feels to me that that is fairly on the money. I mean, it's it's nice, it's nice uh, product, and I think they have, like you said, they have done a better job. I think of, of the hardware, at least first impressions wise. Not really sure what it's like to live with this thing, but the outer display, I I, I did. Think like okay guys I'll, I'll, I'll be the judge of that but it is a bit nicer i think on the fold three that i use quite a lot it kind of felt even though it was very refined and well built it did feel a little bit unfinished on the front and mm-hmm. on the fold three when you try and type it was like comically like thin yep. keyboard vibes I hate that keyboard yeah but this screen is a lot <laughs> the screen is a lot wider and, and it really does go like right up to the edge of the hinge as yeah, well it so it know. does look like it does it like a phone basically which is always a good starting point what kind of aspect ratio kind of shape do you then get when it's yeah, open does that mean it's a very square screen when it's yeah I won't try and screen. hold. I won't try and hold it up again but it is a little more square so it's a 7.9 inch uh only 90 hertz on the uh, internal display as well. So, And it's oh, 120 funny. on the outside. It's not as squat as the uh, Oppo Find N. Mm-hmm. Um, to my mind, it, it, I mean, I don't have the exact measurements to, for comparison actually in front of me for the Z Fold 4, but I mean, it does it does feel very similar to me. It does it does feel like that's kind of thing that, you know, if you're going to watch a video, you're going to get black lines mm-hmm. at the top and bottom. Yeah. Um, it's just more slightly more refined and they've tweaked it so that the outer display is the one where you you aren't feeling so compromised, basically. Yeah. That's still the one space where I, I feel like Oppo got it right, and at least in the way I would imagine using one of these devices, and I say that as someone who I don't really think this form factor is for me in general, but if it was to be for me, I think a lot of what I'd look at it for is for watching, using it as a media consumption device with the big screen open, yeah. mm. and Oppo going for that slightly more landscape, widescreen form factor when it's fully opened up makes more sense to me though i yeah. wonder if the square shape just fits that this is a productivity device kind of push that that samsung at least goes for yeah i think i think i i tend to agree with the way that on is doing it um and i've had like a few you know 24 hours to think about what they were saying but with the with the Samsung Z Fold, I I didn't I'm obviously privileged enough to have a few phones at my disposal, but I I didn't end up using it as my full time phone for as long as I thought I would because yeah. 
both screens are annoying. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think I like, agree so with I you think, there after the yeah, Z Four as well. <laughs> it's like so. What Honor was kind of saying was like, you just want to use this as a normal phone, right? Yeah. And then they actually said like phone, and then you have a tablet if you want one. And I think that I, I get that, and I get that if you can make this make this form factor work, and you can manufacture it, and you know sell it for not a ridiculous price, then that makes sense. But what is the inside screen for? Mm-hmm. And like you say, if if you don't want to watch a film on it. And you're not, you, you know, can't open Instagram because it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, so Instagram doesn't even, you know, you, it fills one post is too big yep. for the screen or whatever. Like, I'm not, I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely sure. And it does have the internal camera as well, so you have video calls and things like that. But I still think these companies are slightly, they've been slightly caught out, I think, by the the Z Flip being so successful mm-hmm. because it, that appeals to more people. And I, I don't know whether they guessed that quite as quickly as they might have done. <laughs> I, Samsung yeah. has done it, and they're like, "Hey, you can like, you see those spots on TV now? I was like, hey, you can stand it open for selfies and like you know do your TikToks hands free." And that that is what you people actually want to do with it, and yeah. it folds back down. Um, it's this. It's very telling that so the much. only other company that's done the clamshell is Motorola, which <laughs> only did it because it had this nostalgia play with the Razer brand that it yeah, realized yeah. was its you know unique kind of approach to the space. And everyone else said, oh, the big photos will be the thing. And I'm sure they're all kicking themselves now because they put two years of R&D into big foldables and are now frantically working on clamshells (laughs) as they see that that's really the way the market is going. At least that looks like it's going to be the bigger side of the foldable market, if Mm -hmm. not all of it. But I mean, apart from that, I think the thing that I I really can't say too much more, and I know it's not very useful, and not just because of an agreement I have with Honor on this particular Mm. sample, but it's the software will be the one yep. that makes or breaks the phone oh, yeah. from a user's perspective because uh, any qualms that we have about Samsung's hardware um, on the internal screen, they have, they have done a really good job of the software um, in terms of you know split screen stuff. I still am somebody who thinks like putting three things on this screen it isn't actually that useful. No. <laughs> I would rather just use one big <laughs> app. If there's more room to do something, that's kind of what it appeals for for me. Um, Honor does have things on some of its other uh, phones for like accessing quick settings and stuff like that. But I really am not going to know if yeah. this is a success or not until I know what it's like to use every day. I mean, one big question we'll, we'll see more of there over the next year as we get more of these foldables turning up is how much Android 12L will prove to be a bit of a leveler there because mm. you don't need to have all of your own custom yeah. multitasking tools because they're now out the box with Android. Yeah, and, good point. You know, there's that I doesn't mean it's all exactly the same. There's a level of polish to the way Samsung handles it that isn't necessarily going to be in every Android 12L implementation. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying that means it'll all be the same now, but that gap may have shrunk a little bit mm-hmm. on the software side, Yeah, which would be yeah. a good thing. This is coming out in uh, China to buy uh, on the 30th of November. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure we'll see a few other outlets reporting on that. And it's going to be running Magic OS 7, which is Honor's kind of big rehaul, their first post Huawei, so they say, mm-hmm. major rehaul of their OS. Um, but it's still be running on Android 12, uh, to my knowledge, not 12L. So we'll have to see if there's any kind of custom things that they're doing. Um, but it will be interesting to see what it's like when it comes over here as well. Absolutely. Um, and from a market perspective, you know, I... It is great to see a foldable that is yeah. promising a global yeah. release because we Samsung has still been almost free of competition in that regard. It's obviously had the razors, but not really a lot else um, other than Huawei's, and I'm not sure they count. 
So very welcome to see someone with a compelling take on a foldable actually promising a global debut. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it stacks up because, as I mentioned earlier, we think we're about to see two new Oppo foldables and yeah. Oppo has previously said maybe to those coming out <laughs> globally, which, uh, you know, I think at this point, we're, we, they've got to be seriously considering a proper global they release. They have to, don't they? Yeah. It's at this well, wasn't point. there something about uh, the, a OnePlus foldable as well? So maybe one of them could come out under the OnePlus brand and not necessarily Oppo. Yeah, that's been very heavily rumored that there'll be a OnePlus one as well, or whether that will be different or the same, or yeah, whether we'd see the same phone rebranded for the global markets or something. I don't know. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, it's this funny space where in the in the global market, this Honor Foldable could look like a very competitive alternative to Samsung if they price yeah. it right. Yes, but it's going to have a lot thing. stiffer competition in China where actually there's already a range of really good hardware. Um, and things like closing fully shut is not a unique selling point because they all do that. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. It, we is, it talk- is impressive though that they've just, yeah, just to say that the build quality is excellent. And like from where they've come from as being like a youth focused kind of sub brand, yep. like it is impressive that no. this, is, this is so solid. Yeah. I remember being impressed by the original Magic V. I didn't get to review it properly, but I got to play around with one, you know, at, at, at an event. And even on that, the first gen, I remember thinking the build quality really surprised me with how solid that device felt and a lot better than I maybe thought it would be from a first-gen foldable from what at that point was a company still finding its feet after after breaking away from Huawei. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited to get a chance to play around with it properly and yeah. borrow one off you. Uh, <laughs> we should briefly talk about the Honor 80s. I think we're going to move on to the Oppo Reno 9 in a second. But, yeah, they also unveiled the Honor 80, 80 Pro and also a cheaper 80 SE. Um, so these follow on from the Honor 70 series, which basically this kind of numbered series tends to be on as like, I guess, upper mid-range. I only just reviewed the Honor 70. <laughs> I know, it feels like the 80s came out very, it feels like it's been a very quick release, but I guess that's really just the staggering of when they launch in China versus yeah, when they yeah. launch globally, when we get it. And then by the time you review, suddenly the Chinese launch for the next model is, is already around the corner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so these are the phones where the regular 80 packs that Snapdragon 782G chipset that I mentioned earlier. That's right. And the 80 Pro has the same 8 Plus Gen 1 as the foldable, still no 8 Gen 2. Um, these are much more standard kind of slabby phones. They're 6.78 inch for the Pro and 6.67 inch for the uh, regular 80, both OLED, 120 hertz. Um, they both, I think, have 50 meg. No, no, sorry, they don't have 50 megapixel main cameras. They have strange main cameras. They have 160 <laughs> megapixel primary cameras Whoa. which i'm i'm not even sure what sensor that is i went to kind of, sort of try and google and figure that out but that i've never heard of multi- 160 just because it's a multiple of 80 probably just what slap two of them together just yeah, 80, at, 80 at 80 on an yeah. 80 also there's like an also there's like an eight on the back of the phone in from my eye as well honor loves to brand their phones with the actual names of the, the i phone. quite like that on the um the camera module of the pro yeah, has the sort of almost like an infinity symbol kind of eight lined around the lenses, which I quite like the look of. It's a little, it's a slightly different design on the regular model, but I do really like the way they've done it on the Pro. Actually, I'm just glad it doesn't say dare to leap on it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, it that was quite nice, right? actually, that infinity symbol. Dare mean... to leap was real me. Oh my bad. I think <laughs> honor. Sorry, sorry, OEMs. Honor used to say that Did they you just say honor, 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 honor all over. They it. had Doesn't some that had the letters all over them in a pattern. I yeah. think Honor's thing was that they were for the brave. Was that Honor? 
I don't think yes. they said that on the phone, but they always marketed with like. They just had a massive honor logo, something just like that on the back, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they, they did have some that was just honor in giant letters. So, um, and others just patterns of H, O, and N and R kind of swirling around on the back. This is uh, a bit more tasteful. Yeah, I, I like the look yes. of it actually. Yeah, the nice swirly pattern on the pro, the Infinity logo on the uh, on the camera. It's very um, nice. Not sure what to expect from a 160 megapixel camera. Um, could be Pixel good. Beneath. Again, I'm not sure what sensor <laughs> yes. that is. It's um, I'm a little suspicious, but you never know. Yeah. We'll um, see. These are... <laughs> do, do you know if they promised a global launch for these models as well? Or is this more I cannot remember. They, haven't, they didn't mention anything to me. I think it's one of those things where it's assumed that it will be somewhere down the line and we may only get one model because like the, the Honor 70, we didn't get we only got the one version of that in yeah. europe yeah uh, but no i'm sorry i can't remember if we uh, have been promised that or not yeah no i mean i would expect a launch as you say a launch for one model maybe two models but probably not all three and yeah. probably in several months if and when it does happen <laughs> um but yes go you can go check them out if you're interested they are um honestly a little bit similar in specs to some of the reno 9 stuff so we will cool. talk about them instead so Oppo Reno 9 series, another line with a Chinese launch and a ugh, maybe the rest of the world one day. The <laughs> Reno line has always been very funny for this because uh, the Reno 8 got a decent global launch. Before that, they had a few years where they launched them in Asia, but not really in Europe or get in some bits of Europe. And then some Reno models would get rebranded as Find X models and come mm. out sort of six months later as the Find X Neo that always felt it was under spec because it was actually like a six month old phone and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, we've got a set of three new Reno 9 phones for China and they've got a few interesting elements to them. So at, like we've seen with Honor, these cap out in, uh, in this case, in the Reno 9 Pro Plus is the top model, uh, caps with a Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1. So despite us getting our first 8 Gen 2 phone this week, <laughs> we've then had three new three. 8 Plus Gen 1 <laughs> phones in the subsequent two we days. Done with no it one else. <laughs> yeah. It's still interesting to see that in a Reno phone, which we sort of always classified as quote unquote mid-range. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's a powerful chip to pack into that. And, you know, you've got to remember that even just a week ago, that would have been the top spec chip that they yeah. could have used. Mm. Um, so it should be a powerful piece of hardware. And then the other oddity from a power perspective is that both the Pro and the Pro Plus in the Reno 9 line start with 16 gig of RAM. That's the base RAM allocation. Cool. Which is meaty. meaty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's meaty. It's the same kind of setup as the OnePlus 10T has 16 gig of RAM. An eight plus Gen One, but then they mm -hmm. compromise on things like camera to get the price. So is that what is that what Oppo is doing here? I mean, same same parent company. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing a, a very similar kind of setup. Um, if you take the uh, the Pro Plus, the top model, you have fifty megapixel f one point eight main lens with OIS. I am not sure what sensor that is. Um, it just sounds like the 10T. I'm going to go on Google. It sounds like it's that same. Is it the IMX 788? No, I get like with the Snapdragon chip numbers. Let's test some really numbers in this job. Um, but live sleuthing. It does sound a lot like that same IMX uh, chip that's popped up in every mid range phone. For Which the one last is this? The, the Pro or the regular? Uh, the Pro Plus. That's the leak. Oh, man, it's just the same phone, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Very similar looking. <laughs> 6.7 inch screen. Yeah. Same resolution. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> um, it's even got, I mean, if you look at the design, 
all of these phones have the a design that in fairness is pretty similar to the Reno 8 in terms of the camera module with a little cutout and, and a couple of big lenses, but is also very reminiscent of the last two OnePlus phones and the way they've handled their camera module. So we're really seeing that Oppo and, and OnePlus design language sync up a lot all over again. Yeah, the two phones have the same camera specs, so... So <laughs> this is the OnePlus 10T for China again <laughs> with an Oppo by, by the looks of it. Yeah. yeah, there is one thing it will offer that will be a bit different, I suppose, because it uh, the Pro Plus features Oppo's Mari Silicon X NPU, their oh, kind of okay. AI-powered image chip, uh, yeah. which is I think only also on the Find X5 Pro. Yeah. I'm not sure if any other phones have that or not. Um, so it, theoretically, this should have some little edge on photography. I think the Reno the 8 got it as well. Uh, Reno 8, the top, did the Reno 8 get that? The top Reno 8 might have done, I think. The Pro Maybe. Plus on the Reno 8 may have also had it. Yeah. Um, though they, they, in this, you're getting it paired with the 8 Plus Gen 1 rather than the 8 Gen yeah. 1. But yeah, so it's, yeah. they've only put that in a handful of phones, certainly. Um, and I think here it's only in the Pro Plus model. It's not in the other Reno 9s. So... They're still holding that as well, ace up their sleeve from an Oppo perspective. So if you are comparing to what you're getting in the OnePlus 10T, that's maybe this is technically the it slightly better camera, probably, yeah, but not a lot to it. Uh, even the colours, kind of funny enough, look a little bit similar because it's in black and then a kind of mint green, which looks a lot <laughs> like it? we've seen on some OnePlus phones. <laughs> uh, there's also a gold model, which is not very OnePlusy, but no. black and a mint green option feel feel very familiar. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're not. We might not see them in this country, then, might we? Like you were saying earlier, the Renos. I mean, we actually talked. We briefly touched on on these uh, being rumored last week on the pod, yeah. and we're sort of saying that Lewis and I. I, I reviewed a Reno two, and that was only like three years ago. And I think this country or the Western country sort of saw maybe two and four, and then, like you say, they were rebadged as mm-hmm. Find X. Um, sort of the, the less than flagship models but so there's obviously there's just so many phones <laughs> it's too much it's yeah. too much they, they're on a biannual release schedule for sure so you get an update every six months rather than every year which yeah. means that they seem feel like they roll out very quickly mm-hmm. um but yeah it's not helped by just a very as i said earlier and as you said a very inconsistent release approach to global markets where you never really know how much attention to pay to these because some we've had some times where we almost ignore the Reno line because we say, oh, it's never going to launch here anyway, or like anywhere in Europe. And then yeah. they put all of them out. And then other years you you say, all right, we'll, we'll pay attention to the Reno phones then. They look interesting. And then not a single one gets released <laughs> anywhere outside China, you know, not even in the rest yeah. of Asia. So you never really quite know what you're going to get. And certainly we've seen some where they, they do just release the exact phone, but rebranded. Um, either as another Oppo, or you kind of see those same specs pop up in a OnePlus device. You reviewed a uh, Reno, did you say, Lewis? Reno two. I mean, it was years ago at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I remember loving the the Reno ten times zoom. That was yeah. such a weird, great phone. Well, was that was that the one that introduced the surf, the shark kind of yeah. shark thing? It was the Pop-up first camera. phone that I yeah. used that had a ten times periscope. Lens. I believe they and were the first it, to do it at all. Yeah, and then it had the shark fin, which was great. Yeah, and it was it was a fat old phone, um, but I thought it was really good. 
And then the 2Z I also reviewed, uh, and that was an excellent phone for a really good uh, price. Mm-hmm. But they, it was barely on, this was in New Zealand, but it was barely on sale. Like I was, I said to them, like, I want to link to this, but it's not on sale. And they were like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, was basically their reply. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the Reno 8, we seem to be more of a situation now where, you know, those are on sale. You could buy them from Argos or what have you, you know, in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be cool to see these kind of phones over here. Um, but w- whether or not they're playing kind of some kind of merry-go-round dance with OnePlus and whether if OnePlus is selling in Europe, then they won't do it uh, because it's the same phone, uh, then then they won't. But I mean, to the consumer, it might not matter as much. OnePlus has got a lot of um, snapback, I think, unfairly uh, in tech press, but also community Mm -hmm. about how it's, you know, abandoned its roots or what have you. But but it basically runs ColorOS now, Um, whereas Oppo, sometimes by the same audience and reviewers, is praised. uh, And then because it's on a OnePlus phone, then it's, um, you know, thrown out to hang out to dry so i i think these are like quite cool phones um and then i suppose the pricing the the chinese are getting a bargain are they yeah there's a pricing <laughs> somewhere here it's very Put affordable on the spot. sorry um, yeah. oh, even the yeah. pro plus starts from four thousand one, which is so around five <laughs> it's 560 dollars that that's very cheap for roughly. that and that's that for the top set, model yeah. in the series mm. um so they are very affordable of course we got the the cheap one starts at around 350 bucks converted um which again wouldn't be exactly the same um i mean these look really nice that's one thing i think oppo is going for it they've kept one of the things they've pushed with arena models is they're all very slim um and all very light like the, yeah. the base the base reno 9 is 174 grams and 7.2 millimeters thick which is really thin and light for a yeah. phone that still has, I think, a 6.7 inch display, yeah, 6.7 inch display, and it's still very, you know, comfortably below 200 grams, very slim. Mm. Um, and the Pro is similar. The, the Plus model, I think, is just a little bit thicker and, and heavier, but they they get that sort of stuff down really well. And, you know, these quite punchy color options and a nice camera module. Um, and yeah, you know, you touched on the software side when you talk about that OnePlus comparison. These will run Color OS, but I really like Color OS. You know, yeah. I, I think it is that funny thing, as you say, with the, with the conversations around OnePlus, where you get people simultaneously saying, oh, OnePlus are worse because now they basically just run ColorOS instead of Oxygen OS. And then in the same review of an Oppo phone, they'll say, yeah. ColorOS is pretty great, actually. Yeah, so it is good. It is, yeah, it is good. So it's fine that that's what the OnePlus phones use. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's really not an issue. I think people have a hangover maybe from when ColorOS was not good four years ago, but it's it's now one of my favorite android skins yeah um and you don't tend to get a lot of bloatware you don't tend to get a lot of stuff i think you get an awful lot of customization that's maybe the thing there maybe the most uh, certainly in terms of visual customization you know the mm-hmm. amount you can tweak ui colors icon shapes and sizes all these kind of fine-tuned details you can go in and really make your phone look the way you want it to look and it doesn't have to look the way oppo wants it to look and I, I think that's a really nice touch that not a lot of Android OEMs give you that much freedom. Yeah, I tend to agree. And I, I, I keep going back and picking up the uh, Oppo Find X3 Pro, which is flagship that's over well over a year old now. But like mm-hmm. you're saying, Dom, Oppo just know how to make a really nice thin phone and they, they do. don't tend to have trash battery life either. Like they managed to actually last a full day and they've got really good fast charging as well and that that phone was just such a nice like um i know we always take the mick out of you know hand feel uh mm-hmm. but 
it it's a really nice phone to hold and can, if you compare it to that year's you know samsung flagship or whatever it's like they're quite thick in comparison so yeah. the hardware is really the hardware is really nice um i guess we'll never get to review this one but <laughs> um <laughs> yeah no the oppo 8 the reno 8s were nice when hannah was reviewing them. i think she's reviewed those for the site yeah i think they have a lot going for them and, and one thing that i think gets um maybe underrated when it comes to hand feel or design or whatever is that that's the bit that stays the same for the whole life of the phone so you kind of want that to be good because it will still matter two years in and as you say you can pick up an older oppo flagship maybe and still think oh it feels really nice it feels great whereas you don't always have to go that far back with some other brands Mm -hmm. flagships to start going oh it's kind of chunky and old-fashioned looking and it feels a bit dated and yeah you know it's very easy as as trends in design change for for a phone to start you know kind of uh, looking a bit backwards um that's not to say oppo always gets it right i think the find x2 pro with the bright orange leather finish Ugh. looked dated about two days after it launched <laughs> but um you Good know, fun, though. for the most part they get it right yeah okay yeah so reno reno 9 series is uh i don't think it's quite out now in china i think you can yeah sales begin over the next week the different models have slightly different on sale dates but basically over the next week or so they go and sell in china I yeah, I would not want to put money down on which of any of these <laughs> we will see launch in Europe or even other markets. There is just no telling what Honor are going to do. Um, so, you know, you let's just Oppo? wait and see. Oppo, sorry. I'm very jet lagged. <laughs> it's a miracle I've, I've done as well as I have today. Well, we've done a podcast um, with three Chinese brands, two of which are in the same, same company. Uh, yeah. So. We, we we did well. We've we've done our best. Uh, yeah. So Reno nines, maybe we'll see them uh, at some point. But you know, uh, I wouldn't hold your breath. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to have to talk about next week. Are there any big launches over the next week that I've already forgotten about? Uh, no, this was like quite a busy week, as you said, um, three in a row, and then surely the Christmas wind down now. But we'll probably be hit with something. Christmas we'll, we'll wind have... down. We've got the Go two on. Oppo foldables to come. We've got, we've got the Xiaomi got... 13 series to come. <sighs> We're not there yet. about the work-life balance here, Dom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got so much to look forward to. Um, I should say we can do a little bit of housekeeping as we do rattle towards the end of the year. I think we only have another two podcasts in us for 2022 because next two Thursdays, we should be able to do them on the 1st of December and the 8th. But the yep. 15th is the day of our company Christmas party. Oh, yeah. So I'm pretty sure that around the time <laughs> we would be podcasting, we will all instead be several glasses of wine deep. Ooh. And uh, it feels optimistic to think we'd get an episode out. And then <laughs> after that, we all start to wrap up for Christmas. So, I, yeah, I think we've got another two for this year. So we'll cover whatever comes out and we'll probably start looking at doing some end of year roundup type stuff Sweet. as we get into December. Should be good. All right. Uh, Thank you, Lewis. Thank you, Henry. Thank you to everyone who has been watching and listening. As always, like and subscribe if you're with us on YouTube. It really does help. And we will be back next week. Bye for now. See you.